Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 89 of Midweek Metagame. I'm Herring TG, joined by my two regular co-hosts, Patrick Robertson. I'm joining you from the future, since we just agreed that this is episode 88. Oh, is it episode 88? Wait, That's what? what we just said, like, 30 no, seconds ago, I thought. Oh, yeah, it is 88. Oh, sorry. Welcome to episode 88 of Midweek Metagame. I'm Herring TG, joined by two regular co-hosts, Patrick Robertson. I'm back from the future. And <laughs> Gable see. Hey, hey, hey. I was muted. What's up, oh everyone? Oh my gosh, this intro is so scuffed. Okay, whatever, yeah. we're keeping it in. Well, well, well. If we haven't messed up the intro already, this week we have a ton to talk about. Not only has Gab played in some NPL thing over the past weekend, he's also qualified for Worlds. There's also been an update to the Worlds prize pool. So I'm sure we're going to keep you all updated on the NPL stuff, and I guess update me as well, because I have no clue what's happening. And uh, towards the end of the episode, or the main chunk of the episode, I should say, will be Modern. We've played at least like 25 leagues of Modern over the past week between us, I believe. Or an insane amount of games. So we're going to get to a lot of, um, a diverse amount of decks and stuff and talk all about that. We're also going to be talking about, um, what is it, buying cards, buying into cards. I'm going to have a little like three minute rant because I've been getting so many questions over the past few streams. People ask me that they're buying decks and they worry about cards being banned. So might get a little rant from that. Um, but yeah, before we get into this episode, as always, the podcast is brought to you by Card Market. They sponsor the cast. Uh, and I should let you know that they're an online marketplace to buy anything card game related. It could be Magic the Gathering, Pokemon, Yu-Gi-Oh, whatever you like. You can buy or sell accessories, singles, card sleeves, literally anything. Go check them out, cardmarket.eu or cardmarket.com. They're amazing. Um, and yeah, thank you for them for supporting the cast. I also want to thank all our patrons. If you want to support us personally, patreon.com slash midweekmetagame. Best place to support us. No pressure to do so, but go check it out if you want to. Anyways, we should hop straight into things. We've got a load to get into. Like I said, Gab, you played in some the MPL League play this past weekend. You did really well. You qualified for Worlds. World stuff. Break it all down for us. Update us. Yeah, it was kind of a crazy week. No one was super motivated after they announced the huge price cut to Worlds, and a lot of people barely tested. I didn't test a ton. Thankfully, Reed, who was tied with me going into the weekend, uh, did did a lot of work in, in Historic. He came up with a tuned blue-black list. Him, Andrew Cunha worked on the deck. And going into the weekend, it was Seth in the lead, three points ahead of Reed and I, and then Juza was one point behind. And then I think there was maybe Brad and Javier, like two points behind Yuza, but it was going to be most likely Seth and then one of me, Reed, or Juza. Reed and I played the same decks. We played Naya in Standard because Jabberwocky had been playing the deck a ton and crushing, and we we just went with that, even though we figured it wasn't great against Sultai. And uh, yeah, Reed and Andrew came up with that blue black list that was really good against the blue decks, really good against Brainstorm decks, whether it was phoenix or creativity decks or jeskai control and not that great against creatures even though i got lucky when i got paired against creature decks it was against band angel of Sado, um and that went okay but um yeah weekend went great for me i uh, lost the very first round to seth so that was not ideal but then i went five and one on on day one i beat reed twice in mirror matches so that was pretty lucky and then i went five one again on day two i actually had it locked up after round four of Historic on day two, basically going into the last three rounds of, of Historic, I needed to either win at least one match 
and I got the worst slot, or or I mean, basically to not qualify, I needed to go O3 and either Reed or Yuza had to go three and O. And then I think we still had a tiebreaker. So locked it up right away. I was I was super happy despite everything. And then kind of incredible news. They announced uh, a few days ago that they're uh, putting back the price pool to one million, even a little bit more. They announced that there there's going to be an appearance fee for every player qualified, fifty thousand dollars. So we're still playing for the initial two hundred and fifty k, except everyone gets guaranteed, you know, second place now plus whatever they make. So I see that as really good for me. It's obviously a, a step in the right direction for OP. I, you know, we might probably not going to talk too much about it, but I had the feeling it was really weird for them to try and rebuild OP after kind of, you know, taking money away from the players. You can use the word steal, I think. So how are we supposed to, how are you supposed to rebuild? Even for people at Wizards, you know, they have that and looming over the head and back of their mind. So it would have been pretty awkward, honestly. So, you know, I obviously, they, I definitely yeah. agree. That, like that, that's a big looming looming factor. Like, how do they make an announcement? Like, hey, we're you know, we're bringing back the PT when every single Twitter comment on their thread is just going to be minus two point one million. Yeah, I think it's you know, they have to they have to erase some of that that kind of like negative publicity. Yeah, and obviously when they made that announcement, there were still the people who saw the glass half empty, and I don't think it's totally unfair. And they were like, now do it for OP, you know, referencing to that 2.1 million price pool cut uh, because of COVID. When we know now that COVID didn't really impact our sales at all. So, you know, there's still not a ton of trust, but you got to start somewhere, I guess. And... I see. I'm happy. I don't love to talk about that stuff just because I'm so biased. I usually try not to share my opinions about these kind of things on on Twitter because I'm not sure I'm the you know one with the most objective takes. It's also just hard to like have. It's hard for other people to take your take your take kind of uh on face value even if you're trying to be you know, as 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 honest as you possibly can be and kind of see both sides and you know you're you're, you're always gonna people are always gonna view you as someone with 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 a, with a rooting interest in in money going back in into the prize pool for yourself so yeah I, I i understand you kind of your dilemma in that position kind of better to say nothing than to you know try and be, try and be earnest and have it taken the wrong way yeah so yeah that's that's the big news so you've got Worlds. That's going to be October 7th through 10th, I think. They haven't announced the formats yet. They haven't announced where it is, but it's almost definitely online. And you've got all the gauntlets for the remaining eight slots. There's eight players qualified right now, four from MPL and four from um, Rivals. Seth and I qualified in MPL this, this, this weekend. There was already Andre and PV who were qualified. And then... In Rivals, it was already Ely and Sifka, Ely Cassis and Stan Sifka, who had locked up their slots. And this weekend, Sperling and Yuta Takahashi joined them. So, uh, you know, that was, I had a great weekend. Big, big thanks to Reed. It was, you know, a little bit bittersweet because he 
he put in a lot of work and he he fell short. You know, he went, I went ten and two. He went four and eight or six and six or five and seven. I don't know what his record was exactly, but you know, we played the exact same list. He had practiced more than me. I think he probably plays better than me these days overall. So it was just you know nice variance my way. Um, I hope I hope I can help him you know qualify for worlds uh, during MPL gauntlet which is, you know, these three tournaments at the end of the year, there's a challenger's gauntlet, the rival's gauntlet, and the MPL's gauntlet, and they'll have a, a few slots for Worlds. Did you have one of those agreements with Reed where you would play this exact same 75 in all formats, given that you were so close to each other in the standings? Yeah, we did that for the last few tournaments. You know, was in, was in, was in reason, I guess, or, you know, we were hoping we would would get to an agreement on decks and I think it made sense since we're gonna play each other a lot in these league weekends and it's really awkward if one one player has a 60-40 matchup, you know. So yeah. We, well we, you played him twice this twice on the weekend, right? Yeah, I played him twice on day one, yeah. Yeah, yeah once in historic, once in standard. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, I, I like that kind of like we'll play the same deck you know, agreement. It's a it's a good way of fixing that, especially for these small tournament environments. Yeah, I think it, it makes sense, or else things can get really, yeah, weird. you got to keep your secret tech for the mirror, Brian. Just lines of play. Mm. Yeah. He actually practiced a mirror a bunch. He practiced a bunch of blue-black mirror, uh, which was smart, because, you know, it was me, him, and there was also Huey, and yeah. there was maybe, maybe some all shows up with blue-black. But... Yeah, I saw that down the bottom of the uh, of the sideboarding uh, guide in, in the Discord. I was like, really? I, yeah, I, I, def- I definitely practiced uh, mirror matches for the past, not this event, but for the past few events. I, I I remember practicing a few mirror matches with one of my teammates. I think it's a crime if you if you don't wind up playing testing the mirror. Yeah, just as a general rule, I think a lot of people kind of write the mirror off as something you don't need to worry about. But yeah, or it's a coin flip where you know it's always fifty fifty. But it's it's not if you if you know the line of play. I mean, there's kind of how cards line up, and if you play the exact same seventy five, then yeah, it's it's a fifty fifty. On that as on that that kind of axis of interaction, but if you understand what matters better than your opponent does, and you get a huge edge. So you came first in the standings for the points. I was tied with Seth by the end of the weekend, but it didn't really matter. It doesn't make a difference. So does that mean you're also in the MPL, or just means you're qualified for Worlds? Well, I am in the MPL next year, but there's no real MPL next year. What they're doing is they're honoring the contract, so we're getting the MPL money, and the rivals are getting their rivals' money. But right now, the only big tournaments announced are just the same ter- the same arena tournaments we had this year. These arena championships was not not the biggest prize pool unless they change something. Yeah, so it's so there's just three of these tournaments. We're qualified for them. We're not playing for anything extra. They're just paying us our contract money. So yeah, locking up MPL. I think the difference between MPL and Rivals is maybe ten or fifteen thousand dollars. So yeah, that no, I was that's you know pretty big deal too. And then in two after next season, they do the big reset, you know, and that's what they're working on right now. Just coming up with a new OP system that includes everything. Well, okay, interesting. Big changes, I guess, on the horizon. Yeah. <laughs> Again. Lots of space in your calendar to play modern, though. Yeah. I guess I should start off. I think I've played the most modern this week, maybe. Probably. Um, 
played a load of decks. I think last week on the podcast, we specifically highlighted um, Blue Red Merktide and uh, what was it? What's it called? Glimpse for Tomorrow? Is that what it's called? Yeah. So I tried uh, Glimpse for Tomorrow straight after the podcast last time. I tried it out. I hated it. I was so unlucky. Uh, and I actually was unlucky. I, <laughs> I mean, I also watched Gab's stream. You got really unlucky. I really hate these decks where it's like you feel like you deserve the win when you cascade into the spell and then you cast it and then it's like, oh, I whiff. You know, I, I hate that type of deck. Although I think the league only took me like 45, 50 minutes. It felt not, not like magic. You know, I'm just playing my lands, casting my spell, praying. Hope they don't have a discard spell, whatever. The deck was fun, but there's so many flaws with the deck. I watch you play, you know, Gab, are you still on the deck or is it just is it just a fun deck for you now? I think the deck is really strong and it works. You know, it's not a meme. But there's also just a lot of hate and a lot of tough matchups. But in the matchups where it's good, it's really good. It really feels like if you get paired against something like Enchantress or Titan, maybe not as easy. But anything that's not prepared, a little mid-rangey and doesn't have, you know, Chalice or Void Mirror in the side or these kind of cards, it feels really easy, like barely... You know, I'm not saying Enchantress is the best deck in the format, but it's a deck that has game against most decks, and you know, it feels like that matchup might be 80-20, 90-10 or something. The problem is it's tough against blue-red with a bunch of counters. The the the, the versions of blue-red now most have you know the most popular version was the region has between two and seven counter spells in the main deck. And they all have more counter spells, Ether Gust in the sideboard, as well as usually a mix of Chalice and Void Mirror. Because Cascade decks are just so prevalent, whether it's Living In or Rhino. The Cascade decks are really strong if left unchecked, which is not the case right now. So, you know, decks really strong. You can go off of three or four permanents and, and, and have some good hits. For those who missed last week's episode, maybe we should talk about the deck you're trying to cascade into Glimpse, which takes your Perns, shuffles them, and then you flip flip a bunch of Perns from the top of your deck, and you're trying to flip either Omniscience or Emrakul or Gristlebrand or um, Archon of Cruelty, which is the only non-legendary hit, which is like really, really good too. And you know, if you hit Omniscience, a lot of time you're going to have... you know, Ideally, you want to hit Omniscience and have an Emrakul in hand so you get the extra turn. Because obviously you don't get the cast trigger if you just flip it with Glimpse. It's not cast, it's put into play. So you're trying to do that. And you're playing Colony Garden and Wave Sifter. I added Season Pyromancer to have a little more game against, you know, maybe a card like Teferi. But um, yeah, deck's really powerful. A bit like Living In, you know. Really powerful, real, but tough tough matchup against Ragavan Chandler decks backed up by a bunch of counterspell. If you get paired against a version that has two counterspell in the main deck, I think you're a pretty big favorite in game one, but things get pretty tough after your sideboard. If you get paired against a version that already has like seven counterspells in the main deck, you know, things can can get tricky. Hey, Harry's right there. At least you, at least your misery's over in like 45 minutes, though. It's a very fast deck. To, it to is incredibly fast. Yeah, you get through leagues in like less than an hour and a half every time. 
It's, it looks yes. truly miserable, I'll be perfectly honest. I mean, I wasn't on the episode on the cast last week to to say this, but it, it, it definitely is, looks legitimate, but it just looks so miserable. It is really fun when you win and not so fun when you lose because, you know, there's there's play, you know, you need to sequence properly, but, yeah, it's it's pretty, pretty, it's a glass cannon. Not 100% glass cannon, but pretty as glass cannony as it gets, I guess. Basically, it's not my style of deck. That's why I established, and that's why I hated it. Um, so straight away after that one league, I never played it again. I today specifically, or throughout the week, actually, I tried out Blue Red Merktide. I think easily, in my opinion, this is the best deck in the format, and not to spoil my life on the line deck. But um, you know, I have my own takes on it. I want to kind of properly break down Blue Red Merktide today because I think we've all either played or played against it many times because it's obviously very popular. Um, something I get asked a lot by my Twitch chat, I think I think it's Aspiring Spike that plays it the most, but I play no Archmage's Charms in my deck and I play no Force of Negations. I think the no Force of Negation surprises people the most. Um, I'm going with Spell Pierce instead. And my logic behind that is that I feel like this deck heavily relies on every single card in your hand. So, for example, uh, Expressive Iteration is a big one. Any cantrip, either Thought Scour, Sly of Hand, Serum Visions. You know, with Force of Negation, I find that, you're, you're, well, I don't find that. You're obviously going to have to pitch a cantrip from your hand most of the time, unless it's Counterspell or Murktide Region. And I hate that idea. So that's why I went with Spell Pierce, and it's honestly been great. The amount of times I've gone Channeler Go with Spell Pierce, Thought Scour in my hand has been insane. Catch a load of discard spells, removal spells off guard. I've Spell Pierced a load of Karns. Um, I've really liked that. I 5 would with two Spell Pierce in the main. And then before you guys comment on that, I also want to comment on Archmage's Charm. I find while, yes, the Divination is great, the Steel is great, I find that you have to play 19 lands in your deck to play Archmage's Charm. I play 18. So I don't like that because you can flood out easier. As well as this deck is designed to be tempo. How can we be tempo when you want to have a three mana spell that you know you can't cast it till till what turn three? I don't. I hate that. I love just having all these one mana, two mana spells. Just dump your hand, refill, dump, refill, dump, Murktide region. That's how my games go, and that's why I love having no charm. Um, and I just wanted to hear your thoughts on kind of both of those. What do you think of no forces and no and no charms right okay so i played heaps with this deck as well that's the only deck i've played uh all all last fortnight really okay i'll start with spell pierce i really like spell pierce i've been playing at least one copy i've played one somewhere between one and two copies in every league i've played uh, i've not played without it yet uh, i've been really impressed with it it's about obviously really good against cascade stopping you from getting rhinoed early in the game it works really nicely with your kind of like like you said you're kind of tempo kind of like xerox game plan where you're trying to just cast a bunch more spells in your opponent and see a lot more cards use your mana really efficiently being able to cast like murktide with spell pierce up to protect from you know whatever removal spell they may have uh is really good uh, and you know murktide's like in this really great position as well because it doesn't get killed by any of the one mana spells that removal spells that people really want to play at the moment so you kind of your spell pierce is doubly good in that respect because you're, you're spell piercing like a Terminator or a Doomblade or a Teferi Time Raveler or something like that and really really getting a mana advantage in that exchange. So I love spell pierce, wouldn't leave home without it. Um, 
Archmage's Charm, I played with it and I played without it. I've never gone all the way to like playing four copies. I played like two, maybe three in one league. At the moment, I have zero on my deck, but at the same time, I haven't disliked it as much as you. And I want to kind of just push back a little bit on the notion that this is a tempo deck. You have to just play this this one way where all your spells are uh, are efficient. That that holds true in a lot of game ones. And it falls apart if people are trying to interact with you in a way that means that you no longer have like, you know, your tempo is no longer in your fa- on your side. If they're a deck with lots of lightning bolts and unholy heats, then it's hard to establish a clock outside of Merktide Regent. If they're playing like, you know, discard and removal spells for Merktide Regent, then it's hard to establish that game plan. And having ways to, you know, pivot in those spots to being like, a, a you know, a more kind of typical kind of control deck sort of game plan and getting getting the game to a point where you've exhausted a lot of their resources, and then you can just take over with like a Dragon Ridge channel or like a, a Dash Dragon Ban, or land that second or third Merc Tide, then suddenly you know, Archmage Charm plays really well in those games. And so that's kind of what with a mirror actually tends to look like a lot as well, because you know everyone's got like bolts and and heats, and so having access to extra counter spells to fight the Merc Tide battle, because that's really the key card in the mirror. Like Merc Tide region is like completely unkillable in 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 the mirror match, and so having you know extra counter spells in that fight is really really advantageous as well as just like two for wanting them when they go to like you know play ragavan or um or dragon ridge channel in the mid game is, is a good spot too because like you just try to steal it and that's that's a more profit, profitable exchange and just lightning bolting it so i do think there's like a world in which you want those cards and you want a card like archmage shaman in your deck uh, i haven't liked it in large numbers I, i'm i'm definitely not like trying to draw like draw two cards a lot of the time so it doesn't have as much utility as it would in a deck like say like you know, esper control where like you really do use all three modes quite often whereas this one's like draw two is kind of kind of dicey yeah in in a lot of matchups but i do see some value in it and it kind of depends where you want to configure your deck going uh for the meta you know what matchups you want to be favorable in versus what matchups you want to like take take the ln i guess um force negation uh Take it or leave it. I have two copies in my deck and zero Archmage Charm at the moment. I think it's just kind of too powerful of a spell to leave on the bench and just tapping out on turn two for Merc Tide and then just passing with Force up is just, you know, GG <laughs> for, for people. Because they don't, they like, that's Force puts people in such a, such a good bind early on in the game in this deck. Like, you have, because you have such a good counter spell now at two mana and you know you, know you play like a, a bunch of copies of that, they really don't want to let you on tap with two mana. Because you can just you know just counter spell the removal spell, so they can't really upkeep upkeep counter you. They have to go in their turn, and in that case, like obviously, force negation is nuts. So that's my that's my kind of response to those three questions. But we, we'll probably get we'll probably talk more about this deck in, over, overall. I think, right? Do do you both have four counter spell in your main deck? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I tried yeah. I tried with uh, two Dreadhorde Arcanist to counter spell. It was so trash. The thing is, you find a lot of spots against maybe it's Titan. Maybe it's Eldrazi Tron. You know, you get against a lot of decks where it's like, okay, one counterspell and and uh, win the game. You know, I don't want to see a Karn here because then get a Snaring Bridge or whatever. You have a counterspell, you win. So you'll cast something like an Expressive Iteration. You'll cast a lot of cantrips. And if you don't find the counterspell, you lose. And I lost a lot of games with the Dreadhorde Arcanist build where I only had two counterspells. Once I went back up to four, I started winning loads of games again. Obviously, counterspell is one of the main reasons why I think this deck is really good. Um, and yeah, you, you can't go without four. I've I've tried it. Yeah. So one of one of my we should probably talk about like you know, Arcanist in general and why where it's good and where it's not good. So 
Arcanist really kind of makes you quite linear in, in, in my mind. It asks you to play spells that are not react not not so much reactive but especially not reactive on your opponent's turn so you want to have like lots of cantrips like lots of serum visions or sleight of hands or thought scours and you want lightning you know you want lightning ball and you want to minimize having cards in your deck like you know forces or or counter spells or whatnot because they just don't synergize very well with it and that 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 means like you know your, your removal spells to be really impactful and right now in the format i just don't think that it's set, configured in a way where like you go like lightning ball your guy, unholy heat your guy, and then you want to have another removal spell on your turn. It doesn't. It doesn't. It's not set up like that at the moment. It feels to me like there's no like you know zoo deck or something like that or affinity or whatnot. This is like dumping a bunch of creatures into play that you just want to go like lightning bolt, dreadhorde arcanist, lightning bolt, flashback lightning bolt. It doesn't work like that. Like people like dash ragged bands, they play like one creature at a time. They may have like instant speed threats, like you know living end is like you know, puts a bunch of creatures into play in the end you know in one turn in one spot uh rhino is like not your removal spells don't line up very well against rhino so i haven't found Arcan the metagame to really suit arcanist it's like obviously a really scary card once it gets going like if it just like you know kills a creature and then flashes back a flashes back a serum vision it's like it's, it's a good value for two mana but i think the format's a little bit hostile for a creature like that right now like there's a lot of lightning bolts around yeah, so I'm I'm not high on Dreadhought Arcanist, and I would never leave home without four counter spell. The first one is just so important, and the second one's not too bad either. I'm not ashamed about scrying them away with um with uh with Dragon Rage Channel in the in the games where I don't really feel like I need it or I can't afford to hold two mana up. But I just would never leave home without four of them. I just, it's just too good of a magic card at all points in the game. Have you have you guys started running into cards like? Vapor Snag or Seal of Removal, you're seeing how Regent is on Killabone in the mirror match. I did actually, well, for me personally, I sideboard two Brazen Borrower. They have been so nuts. Um, not only just bouncing Murktide Regents, I've been bouncing loads, literally everything. Um, one thing I really like is it bounces tokens out of the Urza Saga decks. That's been a major highlight. But uh, yeah, bouncing blockers for Ragavan as well. They have been great. Um, but yeah, I have had a few Vapor Snags, only a few, maybe one, maybe not even more than one. But, I mean, the thing comes down the next turn, you know? Uh, it's quite hard for it to not come down. I mean, I don't really get fast Murktide Regents. Happens maybe one every ten games where I get a turn to Murktide Regent. Maybe I'm getting a bit unlucky, but uh, I don't find it coming down that fast. I always feel like my graveyard is full, at least ten cards. You know, the thing's coming back as a 4-4 at most. And then if I have another one down the line, it pumps the current one. So I found that uh, just bouncing is not enough. You have to have, obviously, a counterspell as well. And they didn't have the counterspell when I recast it. So I think uh, I think it's not great unless it's something like a Brazen Borrower or a Vapor Snag into, into counterspell. Yeah, I, I've seen... So there was a deck that did well in the Showcase Challenge over the weekend, which had no Merktide in their deck. It was like it was a blue red blue red deck with Lurus in the sideboard, which is similar to what I've been playing a couple of weeks a couple of weeks ago. And they had two seal of removal in their deck. And that's got that's like got nice synergy with Lurus. And obviously there's a nice clean answer to Merktide if you can get Lurus Lurus going with 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 Seal. But it is the sort of thing where like I think we we will shortly see an uptick in things that interact positively with Merktide region. Like people have got really enamored with uh prismatic ending and they cut their path to exiles path to exiles obviously a really nice clean answer to Mertide region 
if you look at the, the black red decks like the um the Croxy decks that spike was playing uh, those decks don't have any way to kill a seven seven murktide region in their deck but now you can i've seen lists that have like dread boars and terminates those are not those are obviously ways that you can interact with murktide uh, I, I do think we'll see an uptick in cards like uh, Vapor Snag and maybe Seal of Removal if they're in Lurus Shells. If I was to play like a, a couple of Vapor Snags in this deck, though, suddenly I'd start looking at putting putting Snapcaster into my deck as well. I just think that like Vapor Snag, Snapcaster Mage is like a really, really good thing to have access to. I, I've So much of my time I spend looking for ways to fit, fit a Snapcaster into this deck because you want to, you have like Thoughtscour, which is like re really like obviously a great card with Snapcaster Mage filling your graveyard up, lets you see a lot of uh, cards to find, you know, individual one-off targets so you can like, you know, get more utility out of essentially having like one Flusterstorm or like, you know, one copy of some other card post-board, like maybe a Vapor Snag in, in, in this context. So I've not played against a huge number of them. Or any at all, actually. But um, I'm not. A, I would not be surprised to see just like the metagame move towards that sort of style of interaction over just like all bolts, holy heats, and bushes, because you know, frankly, the, the two mana seven seven just gonna get you. You know, you can't be you can't be vulnerable to that card at the moment. I I think one thing out of the uh, red black decks that has been really getting me lately is Croxer. Um, I find that. Against red black, you know you're trying to go one for one, one for one, one for one. Merc tide, and when when uh, you don't have the merc tide, which is actually quite often, you know they play thoughtseize, they rip your hand apart. Um, you know, they they croxa, and they also have luris. There's too many things to answer. I find when they have the croxa, and that normally wins them the game. So that's been pretty good out of the red black decks. I also think that Dothri Voidwalker is an insane card. So I feel like there's game against Blue Red Murktide right now in re in the Red Black deck. I think it's either close or even favored, depending on how many Crocs you play. So that's been scary. But overall, I've been loving loving Blue Red Murktide. Um, I think I think something to add though, with like let's say Dreadhorde Arcanist. You know, there's so much removal running around for these decks now. Like Pat highlighted, you can't really play these creatures that do nothing that ETB. Um, and which is why. I think people are really going towards blue red Merc Tide, especially like you said, terminate whatever. So, you know, that's what I had to add this week. I five owed, I three twoed, I four one and one two dropped. I find that the worst matchup for blue red Merc Tide has to be hammer time. They I got crushed uh oh two oh four. It felt hopeless. I think maybe one game I felt like I could have potentially won. But yeah, that, that seems like a terrible matchup. What else is bad matchups? I'd say Red Black is close. Burn is a really bad matchup for Blue Red Merc Tide. As well as there's one more. Uh, oh, the Rhino deck is annoying. Um, the Rhino deck has been really painful to fight against. I have EEs, two EEs, and a Chalice in the sideboard. That's been okay, but don't forget they're playing Force Negations and Subtleties. So even when they tap out and you try to hit a Merc Tide, sometimes you can't get it. So that's been a really tough matchup, and that's overall my testing with the deck. So yeah, I'm. I agree with you. The Hammer Times probably the toughest matchup in the field at the moment. And that deck, honestly, this looks it's so good. It continues to surprise me how good that deck is every time I play against it. And it's like obviously, as a side, this puts puts another just another dimension to it. Where like it's just an extra hammer. Or it's like the it's the it's the equipment to get to give you a creature that's already wearing a hammer that you got to chump block trample. You know, obviously, a really great as a side deck and a really tough matchup. I think on paper when I went into that. The, my first time I played against a deck, I was like, this has got to be good for me. Like, I've got, like, counter spells, removal, and, like, quick threat. This is going to be a, a walk in the park. It's just not. You have no clean answer to Sagata's aid that's in play. And 
you don't have any clean answer to a creature wearing a hammer. Like a creature with, with a hammer on it is just will remain in play as is like a, you know a ten ten or whatever or however big it is. You can't kill it, and that is just not something that like I kind of grasped on paper and used to kind of like adjust my like you know my thinking from like when I was playing kind of like you know play Esper Control or something like that or like even like Grixis Shadow like a Grixis style control deck where like you have clean answers to a creature wearing an equipment you just fatal push it and it doesn't matter how big it is whereas this deck just does it size actually matters here and outsize is Merc Region which is like one of the you know the only the only ways of outsizing it in the format at the moment so you don't have good blockers for it you like you struggle to kind of grind against them because they have Saga and Lurus yeah, that's a really, really, really tough matchup, and one that I'm, you know, I'm kind of going out of my way to try and solve post board uh, with engineered explosives uh, and Chalice of the Void. So I have like two Chalice, three engineered explosives, and I bring in two Blood Moon as well in that matchup. And I've been doing stuff like taking out all my Ragavans and like some of my Dragon Rage channels as well, just like cutting down on a bunch of ones to just like you know, so I can Chalice one if I absolutely need to, or E one, and not really lose my board because E one's really important against them. So yeah, that matchup's really tough. Uh, the other ones, like, you know, you're saying, like, uh, Rhinos and Black Red, I think they are close, uh, but I think those are ones that, like, you actually are favoured as as Blue Red. I think, like, Rhinos in particular is kind of complicated. Uh, it's actually a matchup where Merktide Regents, like, both really important, but, like, not, not something that you can really just jam all in on. So I've been kind of, like, being really patient with my Merktides in that matchup and trying, making them 5-5 five, five five, five only, like, refusing to, like, you know, delve away instance to make it slightly bigger than that because I need to be able to just block a rhino, but like recast it as a five-five if they have brazen borrower. And yeah, it's it's just a challenging matchup, I think. Some like sideboard cards that have really helped me in that one though, are like fluster storms. When people are like trying to play around spell pierce and you just fluster storm them, it's good times. Fluster storms so good against the cascade deck. It's yeah, so it's just like, it's like one mana mana leak. <laughs> Yeah, one mana manly can you can't you can't fight over it. I was actually thinking about you know asking you guys if you should just play Flusterstorm over Spellpierce in the main deck somehow. I think there's enough to fairy time ravelers in the format that you need to have just like that kind of generic uh, yeah. answer, answer, but at the same time, yeah, like Flusterstorm would be really good. I, I have two copies in my sideboard right now. So yeah, I think you guys were talking about hammer time. I know I've been struggling. Was the Cascade decks, well, living in in, in Glimpse specifically, or the, the Eldrazi version of Glimpse anyways? What are, do you guys want to go through, like, all the good, medium, bad matchup, or? Yeah, I think we kind of just highlighted um, the, wor- the, the worst matchups for the deck. Okay. What about, are there some, like, really unlosable matchups or close to unlosable matchups? I what, think the, the just deck Hammer. Is unlosable oh, oh oh unlosable sorry i thought you said unwinnable so some matchups that felt like really really easy um i mean most control decks have, have been a breeze for me you know they're playing triomes that they play tap turn one um that you know to fairy time raveler i've countered so many of those i feel like archmage's charm is really clunky against me so i feel like control is really like 60 65 percent they have to have a lot to win like two prismatic endings is normally how i'd lose a game against them because they're just the draws they need to to win against an average hand is like an is a nuts draws like double prismatic ending into teferi with with force of negation or like 
you know, a, a, an Archmage's Charm or something. It's 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 too much, I think. I think it might even be better than like sixty forty. I, I I haven't even come close to losing that those those matchups, and it's not even about like them having answers to your threats. Honestly, they just have no way of getting ahead or sticking sticking something in play and getting ahead. Yeah, you, know, you have as much counter magic as they they do, and then they spend four or five mana trying to get a, a planeswalker to play, but you have one mana one mana heroes downfall for it. So like all that fighting that you do in positioning or jockeying for them to like get you tapped out and then like answer your threat and untap and slam a planeswalker, they just get they just get killed for one mana. And I just I, I keep like I keep any seven cards that can, with lands and spells against them. Honestly, it doesn't need to have a threat in play. They can go prismatic ending, prismatic ending. Fatal push, like I just I don't care. I'll kill him with like the fourth round Dragon Rage Channeler and a Dash Dragon Man. Yeah. Channeler is just so good. And one of the reasons why you don't really need a billion Archmage Charm, you just s- sift through your deck, you know, so easily. Yes. Yeah. That card's just, I mean, both Ragavan and what? Not, who, what do you think is better, Dragon Rage Channeler or Ragavan in his deck? Dragon Rage Channeler. Nah, I'm going Ragavan. I'm going Ragavan. <laughs> I think Tra- Chandler is a good finisher, but I actually think that the power lies in... The most games I win are turn one Ragavan over turn one Chandler, I think. I think I, I think I win more games because of Dragon Rage Chandler's like been in play for two turns than Ragavan being in play for two turns. I, I think that like you're right in like if you went turn one Ragavan and turn, turn one Dragon Rage Chandler more often... Ragavan's probably like you know you win Ragavan games more often, but I think that like on any other turn that you cast one of these creatures, I think that Dragon Rage Channel is far more impactful. It's even to the point where like I don't even really cast Dragon Rage Channel on turn one very often. If I my hand's not really like set up to turn on Delirium right away, or if my hand's kind of like missing pieces, if you know what I mean. Like if I'm like not really sure what like I need, I might just like take a turn and like you know maybe turn three, I'll just cast Dragon Rage Channel, and then let my let the spells that I'm going to cast actually like be slightly more informed i don't know just like that sort of like mistress bauble sort of like you know waiting waiting to cast just waiting to cast your card selection you scrying effect is really really good and so like channel is just so sick like you can cast it on turn one and it runs away with the game or you can like you know sandbag it and get maximize it or you can just draw the second third copies and it's like really good in the mid game yeah i just it doesn't matter what turn it is it's just great Uh, I don't know. I mean, the pro- the thing I find so good about Ragavan now is the treasures. I don't really even value the the flip of the of the library anymore. I feel I'm like barely, that. I barely drawn a card off of it. Yeah, I feel like it's probably like five percent of the time I actually cast it. It's only again in the mirrors and stuff where I'm actually casting things. I can't even think of the last spell I cast. Oh, Abundant Harvest maybe against Primeval Titan. You know, the, the tr- one treasure. Yeah, what? Well, but one treasure can change the game. Well, just one, because you you know, like if you play Ragavan turn one attack, you've got a treasure. You can now cast Expressive Iteration turn two without playing your land. That is such a huge interaction that comes up a lot of the time. Um, I really like Dragon Rage Chandler for a different reason, obviously. But for me personally, I feel like Ragavan is the main, the main powerhouse. With like, I think without either, the deck would be lacking, obviously. But for me personally, I, I would always want to turn one Ragavan over turn one turn one Chandler. I, I don't know. But I, I think we've talked a load about this deck, right? Gab, you have you played any other modern decks over this past uh, past week apart from the Glimpse deck? 
Boy, I had so much water to go on this. Yeah, do really why don't, why don't you go? Do you yeah, I mean, if that's, what, that's what we've played. I'm sure that's what people want to hear about. You know, it is, do you guys feel like it's flavor of the week? A bit like Ragdos was flavor of the week? Or is it just nah. kind of overall better than Ragdos and there's no real adapting? Um, I think that I did play, uh, I played, what, two or three leagues of Ragdos. I hated it. <laughs> the the differences between the main difference I was saying between Rakdos and Blue Red is Blue Red is a Ragavan deck with cantrips. So if they remove everything, you can cantrip to what you need. But if you're the black red deck and everything gets killed, you have to put Lurus into your hand and hope that they have nothing. And that was the difference. And I extremely prefer the blue red one because not only are you cantripping, but you're probably countering and removing. Whereas the black red deck you're discarding and removing and discarding and removing sucks after like turn four. And that's why I hate the black red version. You're you're leaning too heavily on Luris uh, if you burn out. Whereas blue red, you're just cantripping. Yeah, I definitely agree with Harry that black red is far more of a flash in the pan than this deck is. This deck really just feels like playing a different format in some respects. Uh, when I came back playing Magic like competitively in like 2012... Blue White Delver was like really good in standard, and that deck felt like it was just kind of doing something on a completely different power level to what else was going on in that format. And I, I feel like this is as well that the spells are so good and so cheap, and the power level so high across the board. You're no longer like making compromises to kind of do this cool thing. Like I feel like you know for a long time in modern people were like, "Cool, we'll play like a, a blue tempo deck," but like really, you're not. You're kidding yourself if you think you're actually playing the best cards in all your slots. But here, I just think you are. Yeah, every card is great and all works together like the sum of the parts is great and the whole is greater than the sum of its parts and yeah, i I'm, I'm really really impressed i just don't think this deck's gonna go anywhere i want to like um just just one one more one more comment on the kind of dragon race channel versus ragavan argument i honestly think this deck would probably exist if ragavan wasn't wasn't printed like I, it feels more like a kind of like yeah i can i just play it because i can it's like a really good card i'll just play it because i can no, so what would you play in, in? What would you swap out for it then? Let's say Ragavan's banned. What do you swap it out for then? Hmm, like one copy of a few different cards. Like I'll play like another Spell Pierce. Like maybe I'll play some Snapcaster Mages. Yeah, I just I just think that like yeah, your deck like takes a hit in power level, but like you just play Ragavan because you can, not because it's so integrally important to what's going on here. I think that the shell is just so powerful around it. Um. You also said that you think Burn's a bad matchup. I don't think Burn's a bad matchup at all. I think they have just zero outs to Merktide Regent. So you just get the point, get the game to a point where you put Merktide Regent to play and they just don't have very many draw steps. It's not like you have to nickel and dime them with a Snapcaster Major to like over five turns or four or five turns. Just well, how, do you, dead. how do you fill how do you fill the graveyard to get Merktide Regent out? Chandler dead. You have to have like what double thought scour into Regent. That's not a cons consistent right. draw, right? I mean it's gonna kill the creatures, right? Or I'm gonna like cast if they have creatures in play, I can just cast cantrips. I have like lots of fetch lands in my deck. Or maybe I have one more fetch land than you. Like, do you have how many fire islets do you play? The problem is the mana base is too painful. I feel like you're dirtling around too much, and they're dealing like around what five damage a turn on average. I would feel. So you've got like, four turns to get a region down. Deck, like you have like like you have counter spell. This is like live at all points in the game. You have force of negations. You have spell pierces, and then you have like. Oh, the mana base isn't even very painful. You, like you just have like a bunch of basics and a bunch of spy bluff canals. I, I've honestly not, not even been particularly fussed when I played against that match. I played it three times now, I think, and each time it's just been kind of like 
you know, removal spell, counter spell, counter spell, Motad Regent, and then Motad Regent skilled them. And I haven't felt that felt that matchup particularly difficult at all. But I've also been running against Path to Exile as well. Out of uh, them. Like maybe one or two copies, like you get your thing passed, like big deal. Like you probably got another one. The problem the problem I have though is that it's you're just saying kill everything, counter everything, and then play Merktide. That's they just I've I've had Merktides against them. I it's insanely slow. I mean, it's not a two hit like what? Okay, it's a seven seven or an eight eight. That's still not a two hit. I guess they could have sh- shocked themselves down a ton, but they deal you so much damage. Like, as on turn three, I'm I'm gonna be at like nine life. Yeah, I just haven't found that. I guess maybe I'm just like drawing more spiral of canals when I need to or something like that. I just you just have eight outs to like turn one creature and a bunch of a bunch of interaction with burn spells and them kind of like in that kind of like pivotal time where like you you're on like six seven life. I haven't been worried about that matchup at all. And I honestly don't think it's a particularly good deck overall in general. So I'm not, like, hugely fussed about it. And, like, you bolster a post-ball with yeah. a few more counter spells, a few Aether Gusts. Yeah, it's yeah. It's good I, for me. I, I think Titan's a really good matchup as good. well. You think Titan's a good matchup? Yeah, I think it's really... I think it's great for you. I think I'm... Un, I, I think I'm literally, like, 0-3 against it. I play a Ragavan turn 1, they play a Grazer, and then they block it. They play a Dryad, my Sinkle's never online. And then that by the time I play my Merktide, they're just getting a Titan and, and whatnot. Like, I, I've i sucked against them. They can get the Cavern from the Urza Saga as well by going Expedition Map. That's been terrible for me. Yeah. Um, I, I think that, like, you know, obviously, like, uh, Saga into into Map, into Cavern is, like, a good way for them to... Good way for them to have, have game against you. But I have three Aether Gusts on my sideboard. But that, that really does improve that down the line like they have to have actual titan in hand they can't really have um summoners packed because you just count the summoners packed yeah i've just not been particularly impressed and I, i'm also enjoying like just interacting with their with their dryads like killing their dryad and with um unholy heat or or countering it it's 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 i think that matchup's fine and they also like i've had them just cast titan and like it just doesn't kill me like i just have Merc titan it's, big, it's bigger I think maybe I'm just taking too much damage from my mana base because the problem is you have to. You, there's no basic mountain, so I'm always fetch shocking if I'm playing something turn one, turn two, and I think that's what's making me lose against these lo- like uh, combo Bernie style decks is that I'm I'm putting myself to like 15, 14 life just through my mana base if it's fiery eyelets, steam vents, whatever, and I I guess maybe I'm not drawing my spire bluff canals or whatever, but um, yeah, I've been finding that tough. I, I think honestly, the the only deck I really don't want to play against is um is Hammer Time, and then like beyond that, yeah, Rhinos is kind of challenging, but yeah, it's pretty pretty much fifty fifty. Yeah, so like like I said, I think that this deck is probably at the top of the the modern meta, modern meta game at the moment. Uh, it struggles against Hammer Time, and I think that's a really good deck, and like you know, Rhinos as well. But you've been playing a bunch of these cascade these cascade Rhino decks, right, Harry? Have they have they been doing well for you? Because it's a lot of different flavors and ways to go with those decks too. Yeah, so I played um, three leagues this week with rhinos. I played one league with four color rhinos. That is um, teamer rhinos splashing white for ardent plea, the exalted cascade enchantment, as well as a couple to fairy time ravelers, as well as wear tear in the sideboard. Um, I hated that list. I feel like 
There's a lot of discard going around in the format that really disrupted my mana base. This is like effects that make you discard your lands, uh, mainly Croxa and Turak. I got loads of those cast against me, which mana screwed me. I also felt like um, there were too many points in the game where I was torn between fetching like Breeding Pool or Hollowed Fountain because you have um, four Shardless Agent in the deck and you have three Ardent Play, one Teferi Time Raveler, and it's actually 50-50 between which one you draw. So then it's down to luck. I hated that. So I really dislike four-color Rhinos. I felt felt no benefit in having Teferi Time Raveler. Scrap that list. I dislike it. Team of Rhinos, though, I really did like. Um, I had access to four Bone Crusher, four Brazen Borrower to tackle these early game threats. Um, I found Gemstone Cavern to be great. I also found Subtlety to be great. This, to me, is the perfect Subtlety deck as... You're just looking to get to turn three, right? You have four Charlotte's Agent, four Violent Outbursts. You're getting to turn three, get the Rhinos, and you don't care about what happens for the rest of the game. So I love Subtlety. I love Bone Crusher. I love Brazen Borrower. The games where I lost is when I was on the draw with no Gemstone Cavern, and obviously they had a fast Ragavan draw or maybe a fast Chandler draw, and I was overrun. Um, I also found that Chalice of the Void is insane against this deck. It's very hard to remove. Yes, we have Brazen Borrower. We do have Wear Tear. But it's hard to sideboard in Wear Tear against, let's say, well, either Blue Red or Black Red. You know, you don't want to bring in Wear Tear if they don't have Chalice because they are only running like one or two in what, like 60% of decks. I hate boarding in Wear Tear in the blind. If you lost game one, obviously it's even worse to board it in. So that was awkward. But in general, I really like the Rhinos. If you're casting the Rhinos, you're winning the game. And also, last thing I want to say to finish this off, Endurance is insane. Um, easily the best cyborg card out of that deck. I killed so many channelers flashing that in. I dumped so many graveyards when Lurus was relevant with that card. It won me so many games. Four Toughness was relevant with Anger of the Gods, as well as against opposing Lightning Bolts. Um, so many things. I love Endurance. I love Subtlety. And I think the deck is decent. I don't think it's Tier 1, but I definitely think it's it's an option on the table if the metagame shifts or whatever. But I feel like there's too many EEs and Chalices to make this deck actually good, because in the Cyborg games, you, you get hosed. Yeah, that deck has been doing well. Not shockingly, I struggled against the Teferi version of that deck was Glimpse this week. But uh, yeah, I think it's solid. I feel like Bone Crusher is pretty appealing card right now. I know that when I was playing Glimpse, I had Brazen Bars and Bone Crushers in my sideboard, and I definitely won a couple of games just going stomp your your creature, play a Bone Crusher, bounce your whatever, play a bar, etc. So I can see how this deck is is strong, and I'm I was a bit surprised you say you get way too hoods after sideboard when you have all these. All these adventure creatures, anyways. Yeah, I thought that was the kind of the advantage of the deck, as opposed to like other Cascade decks. Like you were far less, uh, you know, completely completely dead in the water if they had one of the, like the kind of like obvious hate cards, like you know, like say Chalice, Void Mirror, maybe the, the Teferi Time Reveler they're in. When you said that you didn't like the four color version, you know, it's playing Ardent Plea. That's sort of like there's twelve Cascaders in the deck, and then it's also got Teferi Time Ravelers as well. Is it not possible if you just like, n- not play all the Ardent Pleas and get to still get to play some Bone Crushers and stuff like that? Because Teferi really does seem like a really good card at the moment. I think you're just hurting the mana base at that point. Um, 
I mean, the thing is, to the you're never casting Teferi turn three, right? If you're casting Teferi turn three, you're not putting Rhinos into play. The reason why this deck is good is because you're kind of playing medium spells into Rhinos. And if you're going medium spells into Teferi, I mean, you're going to lose way more games like that. I didn't like that. You know, the Ardent Plea was great in top deck mode, but in most opening hands, it was kind of dead because I'd have like two Cascade spells in most opening hands. Maybe you want to go for the four color version in a Thoughtseize heavy meta. There's not a huge amount of discard going around, um, even though I did say discard is really good against this deck. I feel like... I don't know. I think it's just too inconsistent mana base for not even that high of an upside. You could say you're playing it for wear, tear in the sideboard, but just play Force of Vigor. I mean, Force of Vigor can destroy Saga and an artifact, and that's what I did. So, you know, I don't really... You're playing the fourth color for Teferi Time Raveler here. You're not really playing it for anything else. And I just don't think it's worth it with the game plan, right? We're, we're, not, we're not casting Teferi Turn 3 anyways. Yeah, you also, do have a solid amount of interaction in, in in the deck other than out, outside of Teferi. Like, yeah, you like, like subtleties, forces. Like, you can even play Mystical Dispute main deck if you really want. So, yeah, yeah. I can, um, yeah, I can get behind just being straight three color. And, you know, you get the utility of like Fire Ices and Bone and, and Crusher Giants. Yeah, I also want to mention as well, I think a few four color Rhino specialists will be raging. I did mention this, but the reason why Teferi is good as well is because you can bounce the Ardent Plea to get more Rhinos. But, uh, that interaction never came up for me. I mean, the Teferi dies so fast, or you have to bounce a creature the opponent controls. I did it maybe once in the league, and I, I wasn't even that impressed. It, it's very slow, too. Yeah, I agree. I've had these two cards in my decks as well, and it never came up. I like the idea of keeping it free colors. Teferi's really good right now, but just keeping clean mana base. And yeah, as you said, just having... Bonecrusher, Bar, and Endurance sounds absurd against these blue-red decks. You have you have answers to everything they do. Your frets kind of have classes, their frets, and they line up well. Bouncing region is nice. Stomping is good, even though sometimes Chandler is a free-free before you hit your second land. That's definitely can't come up for me. And um, yeah, I, I don't think you necessarily need to. Sp- Splash. I know that I was only playing, uh, you know, a lot of people were asking me why I was splashing white in the Glimpse deck and if eight Cascade effects were enough. And I felt like it was enough. You know, you just mulligan arc accordingly. And um, I didn't feel like that was a problem with the deck. What I did at some point was I had like a Bloodbraid Elf because I didn't have any free drops before my, besides my Cascade spells. So I had a Bloodbraid Elf in my main deck as Cascade spell number nine. And that this was pretty in your, good. In your Glimpse, your glimpse deck, right? Yeah, in the glimpse deck, and I would okay. just I would just board it out. Um, I would just board it out when I brought in disputes and whatnot. Obviously, you can't do that in Rhino because you have force of negation. But I think you know you've got enough going on that you you don't need necessarily need the extra cascade spells. Yeah, like the Arden plays are like they just don't do anything when they're in play. Whereas like Shardless Agent and Shardless Agent obviously makes a two two, so you like add a little bit more power to the board. But and the, the instant speed component of violent outbursts obviously quite quite, quite impactful and, and, and a potent, potent part of that card's you know power. So yeah, ardently was it's just kind of mopey. It literally is just three mana, make two four fours. Yeah, I think you say something. that. Sorry, I just want to say I found that violent outburst was the pump from violent outburst was so relevant. Like making my shardless agent a three two came up so much, 
and it was more relevant that I was getting my team pumped rather than like getting them in combat or on end step. I, f- I feel anyways, May- maybe I was getting some random games, but I really oh, liked the team pump. Yeah, yeah. I've seen Gab win some games in living in with, with just the, the plus one buzzer, right? That's happened to you before. Yeah, a ton, 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 ton. Yeah, I think people underestimate how good, you know, how much better Charlotte's agent and adverse are compared to Art and Plea, and it's just not worth it to yeah add a color I'm, I'm a big fan of keeping it simple you know mana base keeping it as clean as possible uh, usually so i can get uh, i can get behind the free color deck even though as i said i'd rather play against a free color version if i'm playing a cascade deck so it's 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 probably really close having extra ways to balance region sounds nice too in in theory anyways it's also a card that like answers hate cards. Like it, it it's a very time where it can bounce Charles of the Void, it can bounce Void Mirror. Yeah. And it, and it really does single handedly win you the game and against a deck like Glimpse resolving to Fairy. Yeah, I mean what I can say though is all these cascade spells, they are really cheap on card market, all being less than a euro. So I mean you can just buy a playset of all three and test out for yourself and see what you prefer. That's something That's you could right. definitely do. <laughs> should we uh it was another deck you played right or was uh yeah i played jess guy um or monkey Stoneblade, or whatever you want to call it are you playing that deck some more again okay it's i'm officially saying it's trash i think in the first week it was okay because no one knew what they were doing rag event was busted in the first week boom Stoneblade's good um and then it's back to trash again like Stoneblade normally does I feel like Stoneforge Mystic Package itself is just a shit black backup plan for Ragavan. That's how I feel. And I feel that Calja Complete is getting killed way more now. I feel like people are packing so many removal spells because other people are playing Ragavan Channeler. And I feel like Counterspell and Archmage Charm are extremely hard to cast because you need a weird mana base with Ragavan. Overall, I hated the deck. Did you ever get around to trying Mall of the Skyclave? I did not. I, I honestly, I CBA, I CBA with Stoneblade anymore. It's so miserable. I mean, like, also the views are down on YouTube. The reason why I played it is because I thought it'd be clickbait for YouTube. YouTube told me it's my worst video in the past 10. So I just wasted my time. It's literally my 10th worst video in the past 10. Why did I even bother? The deck's trash and no one wants to watch it. So why did I bother? <laughs> Double dagger. Yeah. Double whammy. Yeah, I don't really have much to add, honestly. That that's my opinion. You know, it's yeah. a Ragavan deck and then a backup Stoneforge plan. I just don't see the I just don't see the appeal of like Stoneforge Mystic where you play four mana to get something that's worse than what you could play two mana for with Motet Regent. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. But that that's about it for me more than this week. I think that's about it for you guys too. Yeah, I mean I've only played Glimpse, but I don't think I've seen anything special in Super special in the league results or in my own leagues. The elemental deck's been popular for color elemental kind of value mid range deck, and you get solitude and ephemerate. That that could that could be a cool angle to uh to beat maybe these blue red decks. Have you guys yeah. got them paired against maybe a four color deck with four bold, four rending, four teferi, red and six, and a bunch of omnath and solitude? Was was that a tough matchup if you played against it? I played against it once. I beat it if memory serves, but I haven't played against a version that had like lots of voice of resurgence main. That might have been a problem. Mm. 
yeah, I, I think the deck, that deck in theory is kind of like just a, a sick, sick mid-range grinding deck. Like you probably couldn't yeah. outgrind that with anything that's like just trying to like just trade trade one for one and, or, and get some small two for ones here or there because like you know Risen Reef Ephemerate, you know, yeah, all that sort of stuff. It's just it's just at the value or at every single slot on the curve. Yeah, but I, I I think I've only played against it once, but I've seen it I've seen it doing the rounds on Twitch and stuff like that, and yeah, like I said, I think that Voice of Resurgence is probably a pretty important card in taking you know Matt, taking the games where you don't draw like Cavern of Souls essentially, yeah. and making them winnable against decks with counter spells. Okay, well why don't we uh, Life on the Line? Yeah, because I got to go pretty soon. Cool. Well, for those new listening and don't know what Life on the Line is, it is a theoretical tournament tomorrow. If you win the event, you live. If you lose, you die. You've got to bring a deck list from each format we talked about today. I guess we'll just do modern. I'm going to start off straight away. Blue, red, merc, tide, going with my own list. Got Going to play spell pierces, no forces, no charms. My list that I 5 owed a league with today. No big deal. Up on my YouTube uh, in a couple of days. What about you guys? <laughs> Run up to your head, Tat. Merc, 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 merc. I'm just going to play merc, tide. Um, matchups, I'm really going to like, going to have in mind um hammer time trying to be fi- been trying to find a, a solid plan in that matchup and i haven't really gotten anywhere yet but that's something i'm like genuinely building my building my sideboard with uh intentionality and you know, making sure that matchup's like as good as it possibly could be really man it's tough i'm really worried about some of the decks tough matchup and the hammer time and, and you know specifically Life on the line. It's tough. Maybe maybe I should, you know, I'd just play Hammer Time, actually. The wow. You're going to well, angle shoot us like that. What happened to the agreement that you have with Reed? You're not going to have that with us? <laughs> life's on the line? You're not going to have that with us? I'm going to take my edge. I already wow. know two people are playing Blue Red in the tournament, so... Okay. Game is the hammer time. Sorry, see guys. See how it is. See how it is. Okay, well, why don't we... Should one of the hammer time cards be the card we do this week? I was going to say Merktide right? Regent, since it's Didn't a thing. Okay, sure. I mean, even if we already did it, it'd be also fun to redo a card a week or two later. And okay. We I'll, might I'll, have. All right. It has to be 18 euros. I'm going 18 euros. Wow, that's such a good guess, say. actually. Yeah, Yeah, I was, I was kind of in the ballpark of 18 euros. All right, 17 euros 50. <laughs> <laughs> well, are we going to squeeze Harry? Oh, wow. Um, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a chance. I'm going to go 24 euros. Okay, I, I've got a question here. So it has to be a, from a seller you would buy from, right? We're saying an English copy from a good seller, the cheapest. Sure, why? Because like there's pal- two sellers haven't. There's this, the first English copy is listed at seventeen euros fifty, but it's a new seller. It literally says uh, "new seller." Wow. This seller has not not enough ratings, not mm. enough sales That's to get a rating. Oh, good. They have to be rated. They have to be. They uh, have to be rated. First English copy is eighteen euros. First <laughs> English copy is eighteen euros. I take the dub. If you're taking any seller, the cheapest copy is 17 euros 50, but that's from a person with no sales. The next person is 18 euros with 223 sales. I'm just willing to give an underdog a chance, okay? (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Gonna get scammed. Okay, finish the episode. I'll take the dub. Gab, where can we find you on the internet? Twitter at GabNasif and twitch.tv slash yellowhats. Cool. You can find me on the internet at HarryMTG. 
Definitely check out the YouTube, though. Blue Red Merktide content coming in a couple days. What about you, Pat? You can find me going 4-1 in another Magic Online League. Jenny. Blue Red Merktide. Okay, well, if you made it this far into the episode, thank you so much for making this far. And I guess we'll catch you guys in the next episode. Later. We love you. Take care. Yeah, bye. <laughs>